Welcome to the Wanting It More podcast. I am your host, Jana Denton-Howes, and it's an absolute delight to have you here. I'm a marriage and intimacy educator, as well as a creator of the Wanting It More program, which has helped thousands of women who are married to men want and enjoy it more in the bedroom. You know, having low desire was something that I personally struggled with for years in my marriage, so I absolutely get it all. You are not alone. Just a heads up, I use all the words in this podcast, so if you've got little ears around or you're in public setting, you may want to pop in some earbuds. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Wanting It More podcast. Today, Phila is joining us to talk about her journey with not only wanting it more, but also her journey with infertility and her unique upbringing. So before we get into that, Phila, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hi. Yeah. I'm super excited to be here. A little nervous, uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I am from Southern Ontario, um, and I was born and raised there, and I am a pediatrician by trade. Nice. Take us back. Um, take us back to your, your childhood, your adolescence, maybe even your young adult years around the topic of sex, the type of education you may have received or not received, like most people, and how that's impacted you you now. Yeah. Um. All right, go back. So, yeah, so I was born and raised in Southern Ontario. Um, and my parents are uh, were born in Sri Lanka. So I'm first generation. I'm born in Canada. Um, so that was a big part of my up- upbringing, I would say. Um, there was a big immigration from Sri Lanka to Toronto, actually all around the world. But there was a big one that happened in the 80s. And so all my family came over. And so my dad is one of 10 and my mom's one of four. So I was just raised with just like a village, the definition of it. And it was so much, it was honestly so much fun. I had such great memories. Every weekend we would be some some someone's house, just having the time of our lives, to be honest. Um, so that was really awesome. Um, and just like kind of thinking back, because obviously Wim just brings back all the things from your childhood and where you, you know, where you came from. And kind of when sex was really presented to you, like in what light, other than just the media, Um, because I was raised in a time where internet was starting to become big. And so obviously that was, there was one side of that. Um, But in terms of our culture, um, we didn't really, really talk about it. It wasn't talked about at all, um, like most cultures, to be honest. Um, And our parents, like, aunts and uncles my parents never really showed very much affection to each other in general and I think that's a very cultural thing I mean there were some that were a little bit more affectionate but like for the most part not really um and though each like each family had their own kind of set of rules um but in general girls in our culture are basically they're not allowed to date you know, if you're heterosexual, obviously homosexuality is even more of a taboo subject, but we're not allowed to date or dating is not even a thing until we are in our thirties, get ready to get married. So that is what's instilled in us very, very young, especially with my dad. He's very strict in terms of make sure you get an education first, and then we can think about you having like and also the family's involved in that right because we have arranged marriages we call it arranged marriages versus love marriages mm-hmm. um so arrange is literally what it, what it sounds like the parents arrange it and 
you have a choice in it though. It wasn't like back in the day, like grandparents era where you didn't have a choice. Um, and so my, you know, my parents' generation had a choice. My parents were a love marriage, um, but still it was still within the realm of the family had to approve. So that was kind of what I was raised as like, that is going to be your, your life when you get older, you know, and obviously living in North America changes obviously, because we're exposed to different things, different cultures. So I remember always like being afraid to have a boyfriend, always, like always very afraid of that. And um, just like, <laughs> just being terrified of that. But it went the same kind of principle went for my brother as well and older brother. Um, but a little bit more lenient because he's a boy. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of where we're, where I kind of was raised as. And then when I moved into like high school, I met my husband grade 11, grade 12, and he was in college. Um, and he was th like, I remember thinking that um, I would probably find someone within my culture because it's just easier that way. And I'm, I'm pretty well immersed in my own culture with, with food and with the religion, with the, with dancing, with singing, with music, like, um, so I wanted some, a partner that was also involved as well. So thankfully I found one that was, he also spoke the the language and everything. So I hid it from my parents for a really long time, but my mom found out um, and she immediately forbade it and was very upset and caused a lot of strain in our, in our relationship for four years. And the reason why it was four years is because I wanted to finish my undergrad before I told my dad. Mm -hmm. So over four years, my dad didn't know. And my mom just like was like silently fuming <laughs> for four years. So it was, it was stressful. It was very stressful. I remember thinking I was being a bad daughter. I was being just like just disrespectful to my parents, just all of these things, feeling guilty all the time. But I don't know. I think I knew at the time that my husband was a keeper. He at the time he he was obviously my boyfriend but he's now my husband so I've only had one boyfriend my whole life um and I don't know I just kind of knew that he was a keeper he was very understanding of of my parents and the situation that we were in his parents knew because again he's a boy so it was it was okay but um so I remember like our first like even just first second base even just like him touching my breasts for the very first time when I was 18 I bawled my eyes out right afterwards because I was like oh my god I'm such a horrible person my mom would like hate me like she already hates me she's gonna hate me even more so that's kind of the basis of our intimate relationship I remember pushing off having sex for a really long time because of the the guilt around it and then we finally just kind of things escalate and we did and I remember feeling very guilty about it and then every encounter after that yes I enjoyed it but I was it was just it was just shrouded in guilt yeah. <laughs> um so I, again like I never really thought about this for for a really long time and then when when wind came along I was like oh man that probably caused some drama for me <laughs> Yeah, oh. it's interesting to think about the different cultures you know it, you have some cultures and of course we're making generalizations there's individual experiences within each culture 
but there generally there are cultures that are much more yeah that you wait that it is much more restricted by the family then we have cultures where the restriction comes from the religious um context so it's interesting hearing that your fear was around your mother and your father i also hear from folks who say the fear is around god and the church for example and then you have upbringings where it's kind of all goes like, yeah, you can have boyfriends, you can do this. But but the one common denominator I'm seeing that's doing harm is the lack of education. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think? Do you think that that's like, mm-hmm. is that something you've reflected on? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the one thing that I was very, um, and I emailed you about this too, before we started, I was kind of hesitant to start the course because it, there wasn't a lot of women that looked like me in your course. So I remember emailing you and I was very hesitant and you were very graciously was just like, you know what, we would love to have you, you know, I want to expand that. And so it, I like, but, and so when I started the course, I was hesitant in that realm. But then when I heard all these women's stories, I was like, wow, we're so, we're actually more more common than we think we have commonality more than I, I mean, than I knew originally thought. And one of them was this lack of education, you know, it doesn't matter what culture you're in, like, and for men and women, but, you know, obviously we talk about women more cause that's our, that's our journey, but yeah, I agree. Like, and so my, I remember my mom, she gave me this brief little, when I was like 10 or 11, that's when I got my first, when I got my first period and she kind of, she told me what a period was and then that was it and then kind of left school to to do the rest right so i never was taught anything about sensuality and in our culture it's very much you have you have sex to have a baby that's that's it that's the only you know and if you're lucky it'll be a boy right so yeah the yeah definitely the lack of culture has, has been universal and i've learned that even more in whim it it's um you know, even you would think like we recently had an episode where it was an episode with Elle and she was talking about her upbringing where it's very like hippie, very like, you know, free with your body. And even she experienced this too. I know. I I, watched, I listened to that one. I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talk about your first period, same with me. I think my mom really tried to be open. She was taking, uh, you know, sort of feminist literature in university. She was she was leaning in that direction. And yet, same thing. When I got my first period, I was ill-prepared. There was no real conversation about it. It was kind of like, well, I actually got it when I was away at camp, summer camp. Oh. I know, it was bad. Poor thing. So the nurse <laughs> had given me these big, like, big diaper pads, you know. <laughs> it's awful. And she picked me up and I was like, I got my first period. And it was, I just remember just kind of a brief conversation, like, well, do you have products? And I was like, yeah, I was given some and, and that was it. So yeah, we're, we're, we're all immersed in this culture. And, and I think um, people stress a lot about, okay, should people be able to date when they're young? When should they have their first sexual experiences? What is it? Is it good to be a, a permissive parent? Like, just let them figure out on your own. Should we be more restrictive? That sort of are you are you strict? Are you not? I don't think any of that matters. I think the most important thing is a- access to accurate, healthy, mm-hmm. shame free education. 
I couldn't agree more. And having access to education doesn't make, you know, I'm not a parent, but like I'm a pediatrician. So it doesn't make your child more likely to have sex. It actually makes them think about it. That's the fear, I think. Right. And it's not. And so actually you brought up the whole, the first period thing where that sounds horrible at camp. (laughs) In our culture, we actually have something called a, we call it a sari ceremony, which is um, I don't know if sari is like a traditional dress that we wear. And so the first time that a girl gets to wear a sari is after she gets her first period. And you basically, there's this huge big party, basically a big ceremony where they wear the, their, their sari and they get a whole bunch of presents and jewelry and people come and take pictures. So everyone knows that you <laughs> had your first period. So it's horrible, but also they make it super glamorous. And they used to do this back in the day, back home. Um, basically to tell everyone that she's now ready to be married off. But we have now brought this into our culture and it makes zero sense now. But I remember as a kid, though, they glamorized it so much. There's like, oh, you're going to look so pretty and all this stuff. And then I look back on it now and I'm like, oh, gosh, if I ever have a daughter, I'm never doing that to her. Like, I just, cultural or not, like, but then I do understand it kind of is nice that we celebrate, like, oh, she's. You know, now this is a step in womanhood or whatever, but I don't like the whole celebration kind of thing in front of everybody. I feel like that's kind of, I don't know. So many of the traditions need to be revamped. Oh, yeah. Even just thinking about a white wedding dress in some cultures. Yeah. Representing purity and being given away. Having a wedding is wonderful. Celebrating a union of two people. Fantastic. Have, celebrating a, a woman's first, uh, a girl's first menstruation. Wonderful. You know, there's part of that that just makes my heart sing. Yeah. But but I would hope then in the new versions, there would be a gathering of women around mm-hmm. you talking yeah. about practical things. Like what happens when you, when you leak yeah. at night or what, what <laughs> products are available or, 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 you know, what, what is normal for cramping? What's not normal for cramping? What does discharge look like? Um, what, that would have been amazing. Imagine like what's, we'll what smells make sense and what smells are a little off. Like what do you, do you swim when you, like, there's so many <laughs> questions around this. But it's, oh my gosh, yeah. Like maybe we'll be the first generation to start doing that. I don't know. But oh, that would have been so helpful. So helpful, <laughs> right? I have some of those questions now. And I'm like, I know I was on Instagram and this sort of sort of sex positive account, and it was a woman and she had made these flashcards. And on each card was a illustration of a very natural thing that happens during menstruation when you have your period. So one of them had like a very um, simple drawing of a, of a underwear and what does underwear look like with dried blood on it? Just, just normalizing, like what does a tampon full of blood look like? There's no shame in it. There was one where there was like spots of blood on the, on the sheets, you know, it's very natural to leak when, so yeah, I was like, wow, that, that, is, how is that so radical? <laughs> <laughs> it, sh- it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. It really shouldn't. 
So when you had your first experiences with your now husband, like you said, they were wrapped in shame. You were crying afterwards. And I can relate so much in a different way because of religion. Um, how, how have you moved or have you moved or how have you healed from that? Because the, if that was connected to your first early sexual experiences, do you still feel that like a bit of shame or a bit of like, oh, we're doing something wrong here? That's a really good question. Um, no, I don't think consciously I did. I do. I, sorry, I do. Um, cause it's been years since that. Um, I remember the first couple of years, even after like my parents knew we're engaged, all of that, I still kind of had it in the back of my mind. I feel like I've moved past that part of it, but maybe my body hasn't because I, you know, it just like, so right after all of that, I then moved away from med school. So we were long distance for like seven plus years. So just imagine that. You were really determined to have this relationship. Four years of not telling your your dad. Four years. Just incredible. (laughs) You put it that way. Yeah. No, I mean, he's amazing. So I'm glad I did. But um, yeah, I was very determined. Went away for seven years. That was really hard. And then we'd had a lot. And then. I think it's just a compilation, all of it. So it was long distance. And then I finally came back and then we started to have a baby, tried to have a baby. And then that, so I think it, I never healed. I think it just stacked upon stacked upon stacked. And then it then manifested as low, I'm doing quotes, air quotes, (laughs) low libido, which you go through whim and that's not a thing. So, um, I honestly, like to answer your question, no, maybe I'd never healed from it fully yeah and we're also called steeped in a culture that is shaming around sex and pleasure and all of that too is so like kind of compounded mm-hmm. I'm really curious does your dad know that you were dating for those all those years now he does <laughs> okay <laughs> does he know I mean, now yeah my husband calls it the legal time and the illegal time <laughs> which honestly sounds really bad. Everything was legal. (laughs) um, But he like, according to my dad, when my dad knew versus when my dad didn't, he knows now we joke about it now. Um, But it wasn't funny back then for me. (laughs) No, it was probably terrifying. It was. But you know what? It's like this kind of story is very common in our culture. You speak to girls my age or younger and it's the younger ones are a little bit better, but a lot of us have a very similar story. Parents didn't know for a really long time. You know, we hid it from them because of this, this, this. So mm-hmm. I always thought it was normal, <laughs> to be honest. I always thought it was normal. And when I was seven to 14 years of age, we moved to a um, a suburb like two hours from Chicago for my dad's work. So then a lot of my formative, formative age wasn't actually in Southern Ontario. And in a city that we were a minority, it was mainly Caucasian. That is when I realized I was like, oh, people date when they're when they're in school. Like I was very taken aback, but my parents still in this in this environment still shrouded me in these rules. But I felt even more out of place because I was no longer around my family who was the everyone, you know, had the same kind of rules. But now 
surrounded by all my friends who didn't have these same rules and I felt very outcasted by that so Mm. yeah Yeah, that (laughs) makes a lot of sense for sure and so you kind of alluded to where the baby come where the babies are supposed to come in the timeline so you you get your education then marriage and then is it supposed to come shortly after that yeah um so like usually they 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 leave you alone for about a year (laughs) when I say they I mean aunts uncles family members that kind of thing even still it's still dipped in there here and there and then after a year all right it's time to go (laughs) like time to give us some grandbabies like um and in our culture and maybe specifically in my family um the grandparents actually help a large part of raising their grandkids. They're almost like parents because in our culture, we often live with our parents, even like it's a multi-generational home. Um, Not all of us, but like, so me particularly, I didn't want to live with my parents or his parents, but so it was very common for the grandparents to then raise the kids, like the grandkids. And, um, and so it's very important. They're like, all right, it's time for grandparents grandchildren I'm like but didn't you already do this why do you want to do this again (laughs) but again culture is telling them like okay it's time to raise another set of babies (laughs) so then yeah they start pressuring you and then thankfully I've always wanted to be a mom and my husband's always wanted to be a dad so thankfully it wasn't too much pressure for me um and then we started when I was in residency which is like hard enough as it is because our hours are crazy and we were long distance and then so like during that time, I didn't really worry so hard that I wasn't getting pregnant because <clears throat> like we weren't having sex every time I ovulated because, you know, the distance and all of that. So it didn't bother me too much until the end of my like the last year of my residency where I'm like, all right, I, I want a baby. <laughs> like I really want one. Um, And then I moved back to um the GTA and he and then started to actually try like every month and then it became like I kind of said before I already had kind of trauma from like growing up and then the long distance and then we had vacation sex like all the time which is like a lot of pressure like when he came to see me on the weekends you know we had to make the most of it and that was super pressure like oh gosh I remember dreading it not seeing him I wanted to see him but like the expectation Mm. and then came back and then we started to like really try and I remember just like shouted in the I think the reason why I, I didn't I didn't want you I didn't want to do it every month is because I was just so devastated every month when I got my period so it was just like it was just one blow every every month it was just like I had a grief like and, and then I had to go, go through that and then I was in training so that and it was Oh, it was just a whole bunch of stuff all at once. And it was a really dark time for me and um and my husband. And we fought a lot. And then I and then I and I also was worrying about my low libido um and thinking I was broken and there was something wrong with me. And I not only can't make it make a baby, because obviously that's all my fault, <laughs> but you know, I also don't want to have sex but I would also also pressure myself to do it because I wanted to have a baby so it just that went on for like two years and then we went to went to a fertility specialist finally found out there was nothing wrong with us which is good but 
but also really give us clear answers and tried for a little bit more um, IUI. And then we just had our first IVF round this last year that wasn't successful. And I remember just thinking after once, I'm like, all right, I need something else to do. I can't keep doing this because it becomes like your full-time job, to be honest. IVF, if you know anyone, listeners, if you know anyone, <laughs> a family friend that's going through IVF and is struggling to have a baby, just give them so much love. Just give them so much love. Do not give them any advice <laughs> because they hate it. <laughs> um and they're they've already tried it all. it all. They've done all the Googling, all they're the all. consultations. Oh, like don't ever say when you stop stressing, it'll happen. Please don't ever say that. Horrible. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but uh, just give them all the love because it's just it's literally I, I describe it as this um chronic grief. I think me and my husband go through chronic, we're chronically grieving. Um, and it's not, it's different from like a death of somebody or, you know, it's just the grief of not being parents. Um, and I'm in my thirties. So a lot of my friends and family around me are having children. Um, all the baby showers must be hell. And just like, just family events and, and balancing all of that. So, uh, so after our second embryo transfer didn't work in the summer, I've been listening, I was listening to your podcast for six months during this whole thing, just because I just, I knew that the, that I wanted to eventually do your course, but I knew it wasn't the right time because of the IVF and whatnot, but I wanted to keep in touch with it. And also it's just, it's just really, your podcast is awesome. It's just so nice to listen to. And I remember listening and I was like, one day I want to be on it. <laughs> oh, those are my favorite full circle moments. Yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking that. So, um, so yeah, after the second embryo transfer didn't work, gave like we we took a break for about a month or so. At that point in time, we hadn't had sex in six months because I was like, I can't. Because on top of being injected every single day and transvaginal ultrasounds every other day, and then emotion, I was like, I don't want to be touched. <laughs> I do not want to be touched. My husband thankfully was was uh, accommodating of that, but. Obviously, he was heartbroken too. And then after the second embryo transfer didn't work in the summer, I was like, "All right, we're doing we're doing this course. I need to focus on something else. I need to focus on something that's nourishing to me, and I need to feel like I'm doing something." Um, and oh man, I'm so glad I did. <laughs> so tell, tell us, tell us why. Tell us all the things. <laughs> what did you learn? What changed? It was like, tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> um, I think I finally just like. I finally just like took a break from dealing with the IVF stuff. Right. So I was just like, I'm not even gonna think about that. Gone. I'm not even gonna think about even trying naturally gone. Not thinking. Can I interrupt you just for a second before we get into how wonderful my program is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And with all your extended family and aunts and uncles and cousins and parents, how do you deal with all the questioning? Are you really blunt with people? Like what, what, what advice could you give somebody else in a similar situation? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I, it all very, it just depends on where I'm at mentally. Right. And it's in IVF is a very infertility in general is a very emotional roller coaster. So some months I'm, I'm good. I can be around kids. I can be around my nieces and nephews. I can be the awesome aunt. 
Um, and then when people ask me, I'm like, oh, we're trying. That's kind of what I just like. That's kind of my thing. We're like, we're trying in whatever way that means. But then there's some dark, dark months where I'm like, I kind of lock myself away. And before I kind of just like give an excuse and work is always a great excuse because I work night shift and day shift and 24 hour shifts and all that stuff. So no one really questions that. But after a while, I'm like, why am I lying? You know, this is a very real part of my life. And there's a lot of other women that's going through it. And no one talks about it, just like wanting it more in sex. No one talks about that. No one talks about infertility. So I was like, let me be the first person to actually say, you know, and maybe that will help someone else that's going through it as well. So I've been very open about it. And I, you know, I kind of say, no, like me, me and my husband are going through infertility issues. And it's been really hard. And it's been really heartbreaking. Just it's a matter, it's a matter of fact, right? And if, if they, the person that you're talking to is, has a shred of common sense, then they will just be like, you know, oh man, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, you know, like, you know, and just, just be really nice about it. But I do, I have come across some people that are just very not nice about it or like, they don't mean to, but they just like, don't think about what they're asking. But again, I always in the back of my mind say, they didn't, they don't mean to hurt you. They're just, they're just curious or whatnot. So my kind of go-to is, oh, we're trying. And if I feel like elaborating more, I'm like, yeah, we're going through fertility treatments. And if they're curious, then they'll ask a little bit more. And I'm, I'd be open to talking about it. But if I'm not open to talk about it and I'm just in one of those funks, then I just say, we're trying and like look away so that they don't ask me more questions. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. I was reflecting the other day. I can't remember why. Oh, I have a friend who has a child and I was I was feeling compelled to ask her if they wanted to have another one. And then I stopped myself and I thought, why am I asking this personal question? This is a very personal question. I don't know what they're going through. I'd would you, what are your thoughts about that? Like, should we just not ask people about when are they going to have a baby? Yeah. <laughs> Simply. Yes. Because it's, it's like, it's a very, like you said, it's a very deeply um, private thing. And if someone wants to talk about it, they will talk about it if they're open enough to, and if they don't want to talk about it, then there's, it's not your you're right to then ask them. And also, I think, again, it's a whole cultural thing. Like, okay, you're married now. So isn't it time to have a baby? Not necessarily. Not everyone wants to have a baby. Like my sister-in-law doesn't want to have a baby. And I support her 110%. So why is it that we have to do this, like this formula, right? Of like, okay, you, you do whatever schooling, vocation, whatever you're doing, and then you have to get married and then you have to have kids. There, I know a lot of people that are not doing that, that route you know, and they're, they're fine and they're happy. So why do we have to ask? <laughs> I don't know. Why yeah, it just needs to be not a topic of conversation anymore. It's not, it's not our, it's not our business. What women are doing with their bodies, just like it's none of our business, whether someone's lost weight or gained weight or looks healthy in quotations or is, you know, it's just, it's none of our business. Let's just not comment on what's happening with women's bodies. Right. Agree. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Back to sex. Back to <laughs> how things are going now. You know, yeah. What What would you say have been the biggest realizations for you? What ha What has made the shift for you? Big realizations, like like after going through WIMP, is that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I can say no. Oh yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> I can say no. And my husband's 
feelings and orgasm is not my responsibility. Obviously, I learned a million other things. Those were like the big takeaways. And my body is my body. It's not his. Yep, that those were the big ones and shifted a lot for me and how I approach an intimate connection with my husband. Could you give us an example of a feeling what it would what it what how did it manifest itself when you felt responsible for his orgasm in his body and what does it look now with this new understanding it was stressful I think it was really stressful I felt guilty when you know I didn't want to do it and he did and you know and I wasn't participating in in helping him orgasm it was just a constant state of stress I would say constant state of stress and guilt and after whim, I, I would still have the thoughts. Obviously, it's not a radical change. I'm only a couple, you know, we're only a couple months in. Um, so I still have the thoughts, but through whim, we learn the tools to give yourself compassion. It's it makes sense that you're thinking that way because you've been thinking about this your you know your whole adult life, and move just and move on if you can. And if you have another thought, then give yourself compassion and move on, you know, move on as best as you can. And I no longer feel the constant, like the constant stress and guilt. Um, like for example, can I talk about our most recent XD? Oh, please. <laughs> we love details if you feel comfortable sharing. Oh, because it was a break, it was a pretty big breakthrough for me. So we actually went away for the weekend. Um, and you know, it was my idea. I like planning vacations or whatnot. So I was very excited about it. <laughs> we go and we actually, I thought that we maybe skip it and like do it, you know, when we were back home, but I was like, oh, this Airbnb is pretty, pretty comfy. Let's just, let's just do it. This <laughs> is really cozy. Let's do it. And so we took a shower. We did all the things we're supposed to do. So like, um, my criteria is both of us need to shower. Both of us need to brush our teeth. Um, he needs to do an extra Listerine mouthwash. Um, I'm going into crazy detail here. <laughs> oh, we, it's so good. It's so helpful. <laughs> um, and, uh, he needs to wear like soft PJs. I like him in soft PJs, mean soft PJs. I don't usually wear a bra. I wear underwear. Um, don't usually wear socks. I don't like him wearing socks. And then we meet in our bed. Um, I put on the music. I have an XD playlist that like really gets me in my body. It's a lot of like Sam Smith, <laughs> like soulful stuff. Um, and then I always have a candle because I like the, the scent of it. And so we didn't have the candle in, in, in our Airbnb, but that's okay. But we did have the music. Um, and we sat in bed and we chatted for a bit. So I kind of like, like to, because always in the beginning of an XD, I have a lot in my brain. And we've, you know, had a fight the day before or like a little, you know, whatever. So I'd like to like kind of just talk about it because I find that if I, if something that's bothering me or I'm annoyed with something that he's done, I can't get into my body. So we talk about it. Um, and usually in this point, we're like nice and cozy. So we're like, we're not as combative. <laughs> so we usually get through whatever it is that, you know, that was the issue the day before that we couldn't get through, but now we are able to get through it. And then we often, and then that, the one XD, the most recent one, we cuddled for a bit. And then I found that for a really long time, 
I particularly don't like my throat being touched or kissed or anything and my boobs being touched or kissed or anything. It's not arousing to me. But for years, I forced myself to like allow him to do it because in every sex scene, it's like every sex scene, every sex scene, like ah, rubber on the neck, <laughs> hickey on the neck. And like, how is that fun for me? Maybe some woman it is for me. It wasn't. I'm but with you. Not a fan. For a really long time. And I'm so sad that I did, but I did. And my husband thinking that that's what she likes did it too. So that's one of the things that are off. But once I'm really in the mood, then I'm still not okay with the neck, but the boobs are okay. Mm So, um, so I've also, so I'm like, okay, what else do I like? What do I not like? So from previous XD, I find that I like my inner elbow being touched, like that soft part, super arousing. Who knew? (laughs) That's the best. That's the best when you discover these spots of your body. And like, I was just like, what? Sex scene on in the media shows someone touching the inner arm. We need to do some books or something. We need some something. I need a new type of erotic. Exactly. Yeah. Um, let me know. I'll be a part of it. (laughs) So I knew that I liked that spot. So I told him to touch me there and ask him to straddle me, which is a position that we usually don't do. I usually straddle him, but lately I like that he's straddling over me like around my legs, like touching that particular part. So he did that and I was really, really enjoying it. And then I finally was like, and I was actually on like day, like day five of my period. So it was like very light, but usually we don't do sex when I'm on my period, but I really wanted to, I wanted to have penis and vagina sex. So I was like, Hey, I think I want to do this. Um, And he's like, are you sure? (laughs) And I'm like, Yes, I'm sure. He's like, only we're only comfortable with what you want to do. I'm like, I'm comfortable with this. I want to do this. So we went ahead and I told him, like, take off your pants. Like, I was very instructive about it. And when I first started to do that, like, a couple of XDs ago, I felt very bossy. In my head, I was just like, oh, gosh, I sound like, like a teacher. Like, I sound like super, not that teachers are bossy, but, you know, very instructive. And I got over that quickly because I found that, like, I was in complete control and I really liked it. I really enjoyed that. And so we, he was on top of me in between my legs and I literally held his penis and was like, very like, you don't move. I will come to you. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) You don't move at all. (laughs) Don't breathe. Don't shift. (laughs) Don't do anything. And he was actually very, actually pretty good at it. I could tell that he was straining a little bit, but I did not care. I didn't care. The first time we did it, I cared a little bit. This last one, I did not care. And we ended in, ended up having penis and vagina sex. It was very much my tempo. Can I was, ask you a logistical question? Yeah. So he's on top of you. And so are you, how are you moving? Like, are you moving his body towards you with your hands? Or are you moving your hands? Head? I'm moving my hips. I'm moving my hips. Okay. Okay. All me. All me. Um, and I've been doing yoga to like get more flexible. Yeah. I'm like, that's quite that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and I would tell him like, move a little further, move a little further if it was like too much. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so, and in the middle of this, he was about to go for my boob and he asked me, he was about to touch my boob with his hand and he asked me, he's like, can I touch your breast? And I said, no, just No. <laughs> And he's like, okay. He's like, I'm glad I asked. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad you did too. 
thank you. And then it was very much my tempo, however fast or slow I wanted, very like exactly how I wanted it. And then I ended up orgasming. Okay, can I ask you another logistical question? So <laughs> do you need clitoral stimulation to have an orgasm or like, do you feel it inside? How is this I need, happening for you? I need clitoral stimulation um, beforehand. So what I do is I use the tip of his penis and I put him in the, like on the clitoral hood and I put pressure there. And that's what like arouses me and gets me in the mood. And then when he then penetrates, I do feel it in the inside as well. Interesting. It, and then you you have an orgasm that way. Yeah. But that needs to happen first. If that doesn't happen first and he just goes in, it just feels very, um, like, very, like, it doesn't feel good. It just feels like, like something is rubbing. Yeah. 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 So, it happen first. so before, and- so before he went inside of you, did you take his penis and sort of rub it around your clitoris first? Yeah. 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 Forever. Do you use like a lube or something like that? Or do you have natural lubricant? Usually we do, but we didn't at the time. So that was why it was really important for me to like get myself wet as much as possible. And then so that there was natural lubricant there. Right. Um, yeah, we usually use like coconut oil or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Proceed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I orgasmed and usually after the orgasm, I let him keep going because I want him to ejaculate in me so that I can potentially get pregnant. But I hate it. I hate it. I hate that part of it. I hate it because I'm no longer as wet. I'm not as aroused. It's just, I hate it. So I let it go on for like a second. And then I was like, no, I don't want to do this. Like, can you please get out? I don't, I'm done. And he's like, I was like, this is the first time I asked him to just get out. And you see his face. He's just like, okay. Deep breath, deep breath. Okay. And I'm like, you can go to the bathroom and orgasm there and then come back to bed and don't fall asleep. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay. Goes, does his thing, comes back. And then we, we use, I hate when he falls asleep right after. Me too. Yeah. So I've made it very clear that that cannot happen. And he's been very good with that. Comes back into bed. We chat a little bit more. We like, um, we kind of had a debrief. Usually I don't want to hear if he, he's been enjoying it or not, if he's liked it or not, but I don't know. I kind of wanted to know. And he, can you, obviously- can you tell, especially for the men listening, could you let folks know why you don't like hearing that? Yeah. So I remember my first XD, I didn't, I didn't want to know because if he's just like, if his, resp- I guess I just, if his response is not what I want it to be, like, that was amazing. That's enough for me. Even if it was just cuddling then I would feel just really bad. I would feel heartbroken that like, this is really big for me that I just did this, yet it wasn't enough for you. So I remember thinking like, yes, I would like to know what his opinion is, but then if it's not anything that I'm not ready to hear, then I'm not going to ask him. It's so so discouraging to hear that. It's so hard to hear. Mm -hmm. And I told him like, I will only ask you if I'm ready to know the good or the bad, you know what I mean? But I will not ask you and do not tell me otherwise. So this time I wanted to know. I don't know. I was just feeling pretty open at that time. And he obviously like really liked it. And um, but again, it didn't really bother me. I was just like, okay, cool. <laughs> it was more nice for me. But it was funny because the XD before, um, I again orgasmed. We had penis and vagina sex. <clears throat> but that was the first time we've had it in like six months. 
And I remember thinking the orgasm wasn't, yeah, it was nice. It was pleasant, but it wasn't, it wasn't um, the best part of it. All the mm -hmm. stuff before was actually nicer. And I, I shared it on Mighty Networks and all the women were like, yeah, I, say. I agree. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Like all the other stuff is so much better, like, which that was like transformative. But I think this last one, I was very, very like, no, this is what I want. No. And I had no remorse which was a big, big thing for me. And it was that love. That is huge. This is just early days for you. That's incredible. But I also don't want to like, I just want to give myself compassion that it's not always going to be like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I just like going forward, I don't want to put pressure. Again, I don't want to put pressure on myself, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing we learned in WIM. Don't put pressure on yourself. Um, because then you're not going to be, you're not going to want to ex explore right if no. you have a goal then you're not gonna wanna other than pleasure and connection then you're not gonna feel feel open for it and I like it is so true it is so true that you don't want to feel you're not open if you're if there's pressure and there's no safety no and that pressure can come internally from just thinking oh I want I need it to be as good as last time or better it needs to advance it needs to improve yeah. every time and that's just not the way being human goes <laughs> we I mean it would it, it it also is impacted in what you are watching conversations you've had where you are in your cycle like you shared what kind of connection or disconnection is happening in your relationship are you healthy did you just get another um you know a sad news you know if we're in your fertility journey yeah we're just freaking human <laughs> yeah a release yes that was lovely yeah no I agree I you shared right before we started recording that um I'd, I'd asked you if this was going to be okay to share this with the with the community and you said yes and then you also kind of had a moment where like, oh, these are kind of blending all together now. And you shared back to me that, um, you know, within WIM, I'm very candid about about my own experiences and what I'm learning. And, and this type of detail is not uncommon within uh, the WIM community, just for, for listeners to know that, because it's important. It's important that we share what we feel comfortable with, but it's important that we hear the details. Like, mm -hmm. I want to know, what are you doing with the penis? Like, what is happening? <laughs> is it counterclockwise? Is it clockwise? Like, what is happening? Um, I like the details. I've always liked the details. There's, it's so, it's, it, it also reduces shame. We can just talk about these are just body parts. These are, you know, things. And, and you had mentioned, you had heard me say that, that I was having a hard time remembering what had happened even just the day before, because they had, they all blend together. And you were saying you want, you wanted that, you want that moment. And, and that's really what we're looking for is just this, this idea that we are in it for the long haul, like this marriage thing, we want, we want it all. We want the, the long distance situation happening, like until the end of our life. And, so, so that's what we're dealing with. And if that's what we're dealing with, then those, the variety, I don't even want to say ups and downs, just the variety, the natural ebb and flow, the natural, um, um, it being responsive to how you are, how your partner is, how your relationship is, 
that that's the spice everyone's talking about. Yeah, that's the spicing it up piece. Right? Yeah, not the lingerie, not the just get drunk, not the vacation. No. Gosh, so silly. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and Anna, thank you. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Your work is so important. Oh my gosh. I cannot stress. You're so welcome. And I'm so grateful that you shared your experiences with your own culture and and I'm I'm so grateful that we're having more voices now on the podcast that share a diversity of experiences. Um, it's going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much. Lots of love mm-hmm. to you. And thank you all for listening right to the end. I will talk to you in the next one. Bye for now. If you've enjoyed this episode, I have a favor to ask of you. It's really hard to get the word out about a podcast about sex. What would really, really help is if you would leave a rating and a review. And I know that you get asked this all the time in different podcasts, but please, I beg you, it would really, really help so that more women who need this message will hear it. All you have to do is go into your Apple podcast app. It's the purple icon. And if you go to the podcast page where it shows my face, and has a little button that says latest episodes. If you scroll down past the episodes and you get to a section called ratings and reviews, there's a little purple writing thing that says write a review. If you click on that, it will ask you to give it a five stars. Actually, you can put any stars, but five is what I would love. And put a title and then write your review. Thank you so much for supporting this little venture here and I really am so grateful. If you are curious about wanting it more and how this program could help you want and enjoy sex more with your husband and you feel like it may be a great next step for you, you can go to janadentonhouse.com slash wanting it more to sign up for the wait list, to learn more to see when we're running our next round. All right, that's it. I'll see you next one.